Rid it, dit to do, and welcome into more important issues. It is Sunday, December 29th. College football playoff, bowl season, meaningless bowl season, meaningful bowls, bad basketball. It's been a good week. Good weekend. For bad basketball? Just, I mean. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there was definitely, it was definitely a good week for some kid, bad basketball. It was, yeah, it was. I got. Thankfully, the college football playoff was good, yeah. so we were able to keep our mind off. Like, imagine—I mm-hmm. mean, the LSU Oklahoma game obviously wasn't good, but it was kind of fun to see Oklahoma get beat that bad, right? So, kind of equals out. Uh, I guess, yeah. If that LSU or sorry, Clemson OSU game wasn't close, we might have been thinking about the basketball game more. Yeah, it definitely like it was a distraction for the pain and suffering. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I um, I had a long Friday night, so when we got home Saturday, I took a nap and overslept, woke up, we were down 15, watched about, no, not 15, 10, Oof. watched about four minutes of, of, of live action, we were terrible, I was tired, I went back to sleep, I'll be honest. I think I made the right decision too. Yeah, absolutely. I think I made the right decision. That's definitely one of those games, it was like... When Neil and Mafia was talking about any into an out or uh, out into an any, those will do it to you that way. very easily. Yes, I did. I did take a wonderful nap, one of the best naps of my life. So thank you, I guess, for encouraging me to go back to sleep, nice. Tennessee. Yeah, well, guys, we got a good good show for you. We're talking about we are going to talk about the Wisconsin game and that ugly loss. We're also going to do uh, an all decade team. I don't. I don't know if I've seen anybody else do this. So two four seven. Two four seven did, one. did yeah. one. Okay, I hadn't seen it tweeted out or anything. Thought it'd be fun. I mean, regardless, it'd be fun for us to do. Um, we are going to talk about the Tennessee, uh, football decade team. Uh, we're going to have Aaron Hayden on for the show. We're going to, we're, we're really going to have him on to talk not so much about him and, and his time at UT, but about high school football and high school football specifically in the state of Tennessee yeah. um, and Memphis, which he is very familiar with. Um, if you do, if you are interested, we've done an interview with Aaron Hayden and talked about that. I'll pull that <laughs> podcast and tweet it out, uh, tomorrow along with this one. Um, but then we've got a college football recap. We are going to talk about all the bowl games and college football playoff games. And then our segments. Before we get into this episode, Landon's got some friends to tell you guys about. That's our friends at Commercial Bank. Commercial Bank is your neighborhood bank. And they're a leading financial institution with the services, capabilities, and resources of regional and national banks. Whether it's purchasing a home, saving for your child's future, or planning your next vacation, Commercial Bank is with you every step of the way to navigate life's big decisions Life made better. Visit cbtn.com to learn more and find a branch near you. Again, that's cbtn. Find a branch near you. Any financial needs you may need, go check out Commercial Bank. Uh, the Titans going to pull this one out? Should, right? Well, they just missed. I think he snuck that one in there. Snuck it in. I don't know. What's the score? 20, 21 is a, uh, a 7 now. Oh. Yeah, that was the first drive of the the second half. Well, uh, so the Titans, I think they will the, play. They'll play in Foxborough if they yeah, win. They'll play the Patriots, yeah, because they lost to the Dolphins, dude. Every year, I mean, I guess we should have assumed because they had beaten Miami already once. Mm-hmm. So you have yeah. to assume this loss was coming, right? Uh, it's guaranteed. It'd be nice to see the Titans pull it out. It'd be nice to see the Titans pull it out and then somehow magically go beat New England. I'll tell I don't you think it'll happen. I would never. Be fun. To, I would never want to tackle Derrick Henry in that cold weather. I, mean, I wouldn't want to tackle him. Period. Then you add in the cold weather. I'm like, yeah. I'm out. I'm good. No, I'm good. I'm <laughs> running the opposite direction. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, let's jump into this Wisconsin game, I guess. Very, very ugly loss. Wisconsin's not a very good team. Seven and five. Um, six and five coming into the game. Um, and, and no, I mean, you knew it was going to be difficult for many reasons. And the biggest one of those being Lamonte Turner having his first, this is the first game he, he'll sit out the season. Um, and, um, but there's several more left, obviously. He won't be playing the rest of the season. 68 to 48. They shouldn't be 20 points better than you. That's for sure. No, I mean, I mean, this was truly one of the worst, like, basketball games I have ever seen Tennessee play. It's sad. I, I mean, one of the worst. I, I don't know if the reaction, you know, if there's an overreaction on Twitter and, and all that, but, uh, I mean, a lot of people were comparing it to the, uh, the Donnie Tindall. Some Donnie Tindall games. Yeah. Um, so, I, I can't imagine. That that was a tough year to watch. Mm-hmm. For many, I mean, not only are you losing, but it was also very ugly basketball. And, and it's it's really hard for, I think, Tennessee fans right now because you have four guys that would probably beat our starting five not dressed out. Yeah, no, I mean, if they were healthy. Yeah. Because Lamonte and then... Uh, Victor Bailey. Victor Bailey's... Transfer, transferred, right? Yeah. That's okay. And then Uro. So we, we've got one guy who will be eligible soon. Um, whether he plays or not, to be determined, but he will be eligible to play mm-hmm. in Santiago Viscovi. Uh, and then two guys who transferred who are ineligible in Lamonte Turner. And yeah, if they're healthy, I'd say they'd give that. Or starting would, five a run. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. Especially the way we're shooting right now. I mean, Bowden, one for eight from 3.2 for. 13 from the field. You're not going to win any basketball games when that's your best shooter is shooting like that. And, and it's not, and now your go-to guy. Yeah, and it's it's not like this is just one game. Like he's been it consistently for the past three or four games. Yeah, and then you look at Fulgerson, 3 for 3. I mean, obviously when you're 100% you can't complain, but he's going to be asked to do a lot more now. If you want to win basketball games, guys like John Fulgerson, guys like Hughes Ponds, guys like Josiah Jordan James going to have to score a lot every game. How do you score? How do you play twenty five minutes? Shoot the ball three times, make all three, and that's all. And then you, yeah, you don't shoot. It. You've got you, you've got to do more. You've got to at least, like you said, try to score. The yeah. fact that you only shot three times, you're not going to win ball games doing that. No, it's not going to happen. Not when you're going to be a guy that we look to now to step up. And and Jalen Johnson, I thought he played well yesterday, but he came in and you know didn't play particularly well in the first half. But the second half he did, and he scored nine points in that second half. And that was tied for our leading scorer. Yeah. And if you're relying on a guy to come at the – he was probably the last guy, I think besides Pember, he was the last guy off the bench. So that guy to just come in and score nine points and no one else, all of your starters aren't scoring that. Like, you're not going to win any ball games doing that. No, and I don't know what it – really what you can do with this team right now with how poorly we're shooting. That's, that's That's a big issue. And it doesn't help. I mean, how many guys, how many would you say are aggressive ball players in the starting lineup? I would say. Or in, on the team. I would say none. I, no, no one on the team is willing to go to the basket. I would say the most aggressive person would be Devontae Gaines. And he's the, I think he's the weakest one on the on the court. He, he but, doesn't have. But this, as a team, we are physically weak. Like we, physically we, weak. We don't have the, Devontae Gaines, I think, can't. I mean, you mentioned his willingness to go to the hole. I think he can be an impactful player a year or two from now. Yeah. Not right now. He doesn't He doesn't have the skill set to do it yet. He has the mindset, I think. Right. But he doesn't have the skill set. And we're talking about a kid who last year he doesn't see the court. Right. But this year 
he started he's now yesterday. he's gonna, yeah now he's, he started yesterday right and he and that's probably that he's probably gonna be the starter I imagine it's LSU maybe something changes after a 20 point loss to a Wisconsin team but I mean the good news for this team is the the SEC is very underwhelming yeah that's the good news because you know if the SEC if we have the SEC schedule that that we had last year mm-hmm. I, I don't know if this team's going 500 no it's gonna be close. Yep. Now this year, you have a chance to being the being the NIT because I I don't see how this I don't see what changes and what what gets better. We talked about how Santiago Vascovi, if he does play, he's seventeen years old. Yeah, seventeen years old. Somebody told me he is eighteen. So he I is, think, so he's turned eighteen. Okay, so there is, he is eighteen. All right, the two sides had it differently, but yeah, he okay. is eighteen. So an eight, but an eighteen year old. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the first time he looks older, I'll give him that. You know, he doesn't have the young body type like Pember. You can tell Drew Pember is eighteen. Yeah. Um. So I mean, maybe maybe he's because he's, maybe he's matured some, a little bit. I he's don't got know. some hair on his face. And, yeah. And I, I was I was hoping we discovered like a twenty three year old in a foreign country. Yeah. That's that's what I was hoping. The I am twelve. Yeah. Yeah. And that that obviously isn't the case. I yeah I don't know how this gets better. You're gonna need um, Kumwa to step up. I I think if we can get some bigs playing better. Hopefully that'll maybe take something off Bowden, free free Bowden up a little bit. I imagine they keyed on Bowden yesterday. Again, I didn't get to watch much. I'm just imagining because who I mean, else? Who else do you have to key on to stop shooting well? Everybody else is going to probably shoot poorly on their own. I mean, there was open shots. I mean, I don't want to say that they just covered us up. I mean, I thought they played decent defense, but we had open shots. I mean, we just couldn't knock anything down, and then we refused when we didn't hit shots, and we refused to go to the hole. So, and then we left guys open. You know, they they had a guy off the bench score like. How many threes did he have? He had four. I thought he had more than that. He had 17 points off the bench. Um, and he wasn't even a guy that, you know, we were talking about on previously that he was even a factor. Right. So, I mean, they just left guys open. They over-pursued. I feel like they do yeah, that a lot. I f- you know, I feel like that's a – that that is a weakness of ours mm-hmm. is the, the over-pursue, the over-commit, the over-help defense. We leave guys wide open. We wonder why we have so many teams that shoot lights out against us. It's not, you know, at first you, know, at first you think, because we, it's it's hard to complain about help defense. Like, how do, how do you complain about it? I guess yeah. here's how you do it. Because it seemed at times we're playing good defense and they're just finding that right pass. But every team's finding that final pass. So it's yep. something we're doing. It's not, every team comes into Thompson Bowling Arena and, and does it. One thing we do, we fall for every shot fake known to man. Every single one. East Ponds can't go a game, can't go a possession without looking for a block. Yep. Did he have any yesterday? Yeah. He had one. one. Yeah. I mean, you you love the shot block. You love the thought process of like on an offensive board of him going up and getting a putback. But the fact that he only has three rebounds and he's he should be one of the biggest forces around the rim, three rebounds is not a force. No. Fulkerson had three rebounds. Do what now? Fulkerson just yeah. Had that three mean, and somehow we out rebounded him. That's what's crazy. Yeah. Somehow we out rebounded him. Well, I mean that it just shows how well they shot. I guess. Yeah. I mean that truthfully. And we were just breaking them off the rim, or airballing, or it. Oh my god, it was just terrible. It, it was it was just so hard to watch because you knew like every time that we got the ball, we weren't going to score, and they're going to come yeah. down, and they would just increase the lead, hit a three, increase the lead, and we couldn't answer. And that that's what's that, that's what's really hard to watch. You, you watch the first half, and you're like, okay, we go down and score, and then we give up a um, layup as time expired, right? And 
So you you come back down 14. You're hoping you can get some points, get back in the game. And we didn't score for the, the first six minutes and 24 seconds of the second half. We didn't have a field goal till like the 12-minute mark. So, I mean, yeah. you're down 14, and then you don't have any kind of effort to to score. I mean, it's got to be on. I mean, you look at the when you look at the box score, you got to put it on the starting what the starting lineup is now. Yeah, you had most a lot of your production, not most, a lot of your production though came from your bench. Sixteen rebounds and seventeen points from your bench. Yeah, I mean what? And those are you know Jalen Johnson hasn't played a lot since no. he's been here, and then you have two freshmen. Kum- yeah, and Kumal's been kind of progressing each game slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know Pember just kind of going to be what it is with Pember. I mean. It's wild to me that he's in front of some of the guys he's in front of. I was, I'm surprised. But, I mean, we can't expect him. How many do you have him against Memphis? 6.7 points? Who? Pember? Yeah. I mean, I feel like, like that's a lot. Asking, yeah. asking a lot of him. I don't think that's going to be a, pro- a consistent production from him every game. Yeah. So, you I'm, can't expect that. I mean, I'm surprised I'm surprised he's playing a lot. Eight I guess a lot. Players. That's, that's all we have. And a lot of people want to kind of blame it on recruiting. I, I think there was – you know, maybe recruiting is part of it, but I, I think it, a lot of it is just unfortunate losses. You know, you didn't right. think Jordan Bone was probably going to go to the NBA. You didn't. You didn't know Grant Williams was going to be as high-rated player as he was. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I'm still kind of shocked. I mean, he got paid, or he's getting paid decent because he's on that two-way contract mm-hmm. but i mean i'm surprised still surprised that jordan bone went i feel like he could have used another year that yeah. could, i feel like he i mean but you have the you have to consider injury i mean you're right the, the bottom line is a lot of stuff happened that you didn't expect to happen yeah. um you, you lose two big guys yeah it, you, you lose zach kent he i mean i don't know how well he would have done but he's an I extra mean, big body yeah um Derek walker dj burns you lost all three of those guys this year that you didn't really think you're gonna lose and then you don't get Urosh right. eligible like you thought you would. So, there's just some unfortunate events. And, and now, here we are playing. We're young. We're unexperienced. We're uncomfortable. And it's just hard It's just hard to watch. And it's, it's going to take time for them to, you know, get that chemistry together. But, unfortunately, it's you're in your middle in the middle of the season. Like, you don't really have time to, to fix that. No. And, and I mean, I'm not – I figure I thought we'd figure the shooting out. Obviously, Lamonte was a shoulder; he wasn't going to get it figured out. I thought maybe Bowden would. I thought at this point, Josiah Jordan James may figure something out, which he's starting to come around. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have a great game yesterday, but mm-hmm. um, pre, you know, prior to that, he's he's had a, a couple decent games. He's just he's just so like gifted as an athlete that, especially against Wisconsin, when they. He's got to be that, selfish at times. Yeah, he he just got to like be a basketball player. He's got to be selfish at times. I mean, again, be better than the guy guarding you, right? I, he he's the thing about him too is he hadn't played a lot of college basketball prior to the season starting. So I think we should only expect him to get better throughout the. Yeah, I mean, because he he didn't participate in practice much in the fall. So I think we should expect him to hope. You know, he should get better throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Surely he hadn't plateaued. We're gonna need something more from him. Yeah, line. and it's gonna be it's gonna be trial by fire for sure. But we're gonna need more from him. Um, and then Pons, he's got to find whatever magic he had in the first couple games. Yep, whatever it was. Just with Josiah James, he's bringing the ball up the court. The guy guarding him is smaller than him. He yeah. should be able to body 
because he's a bigger guard anyway. He should be able to body, especially a guard from Wisconsin. I think the only guards that maybe his size would be, you know, LSU, Kentucky, you know, good teams like that, not not Wisconsin. I mean, they, they should never – he should not be held one for six from the field. He should yeah. be able to go to the hole. They held him to four points. Yeah. that That's that's the big thing with this whole team, but now it's going to be he- rely heavily on uh, Josiah Jordan James is, is getting to the hole. Until mm-hmm. our ability to get to the hole improves. I mean, tough. Yeah, it, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be some ugly basketball. We'll talk about Saturday against LSU on Wednesday, or yeah, I guess a Wednesday show. Yeah, and um, I don't expect it to be very pretty on Saturday. No. We'll be there. Yep. We'll don't expect there. it to be pretty. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. No, it definitely does. Definitely does. But I mean, I just I don't know like where. Because we're bad in like every facet of the game, so I just don't understand where I don't know what you do to improve it. Like in this amount of time, it's gonna be rough. It, it, it's gonna it's it's gonna be very. Hey, rough. we got next year though. Next year's gonna be fun. <clears throat> we're all in for next year, right? That's our year. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not committed to it till we get big men. <laughs> and I don't. I haven't seen your rush play. Ever. I mean, his body would be nice. You know, having right. a seven-footer yeah. would be nice. I mean, but, just a guy that can get some rebounds. That's But, I mean, our lack of production in the paint, both on the boards and scoring, is terrifying. Yep. It's terrifying. Yep. So, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not all in on next year yet. I want to see I want to see us go out and get a seven-footer. I mean, I think we'll be able to score next year. That's We should be able to. <laughs> if we don't, we're in trouble. Right. I mean, Jaden Springer looks like he could – Score thirty yeah. a night right now. Keon Johnson was well. In the I guess building. I guess maybe not right now. But wait, is it Keon, Keon Johnson's the one out right now? Right. Yeah, he he was at the game on Saturday. Was he? Yeah, in a like a knee brace. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm glad they're already signed. Yeah, <laughs> that would. Yeah, no. we'd be sweating it out right now. Yeah, I know. Uh, Rick Barnes did a good job of walking them in early. Mm-hmm. So that we for that we appreciate you. Yeah, thank you for uh, that early signing period for. Uh, all the spring sports. Right. Right. You ready to go to the all decade team? Let's get maybe it. talk on a happier note here. Yeah, let's let's yeah, let's let's change the mood a little bit. Alright, we're gonna do our all decade team. We'll start with offense, I guess. Alright, yeah. Main the main the main position. We're you just wanna bounce? Yeah, let's just go through <clears throat> position. Uh we'll go quarterback first. I'm, i mean, I feel like the obvious choice. I feel like a lot of these are obvious and then there's some really difficult ones. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the obvious choice is Josh Dobbs. Yeah, I I think, you know, Talent-wise, maybe just as, like, a quarterback, you could maybe go Tyler Bray. But as, like, but a really, leader and just, like, an all-around athlete, you got to go Josh Dobbs. Yeah, and, you know, when we were talking about – I was talking about with my brother, just like, that we're going to do this tonight. And he said, I mean, but you also – yeah, Tyler Bray's stats were good, but look at where he put up a lot of those numbers on against bad teams. Troy, yeah. Buffalo. Yeah. That's where a lot of – bulk of the stats. And then the the other part is, with Josh Dobbs, this not only is stats impressive, what he did for the program, he won. Yeah. We talked about how, how big it is to be a winner, and he won. With a loser he, as a coach. I, he should have won more, um, but I'm not going to blame it on him. Yeah, with a loser as a coach, which yeah. I guess Tyler Bray did too, but. Yep. Um, running back. I'll, I'll let you go. We, yeah, we so got we, two running backs. Two running backs. Um, I think the obvious is Alvin Kamara. Um, and I'm also going to, I don't know if you have any stats written down or not, but tomorrow I'm going to 
you'll need to send it to me. I'm gonna put ours in an article with stats and yeah, cool. um, awards. Cool. Because um, Alvin Kamara, I was like, man, I really need to look at Kamara's because we have we've had some good running backs in the which it was surprising to see. Yeah, but we've had some good running backs in the, in in the last ten years. Um, so I was like, I really need to double check before I put Alvin Kamara down. Um, just to, I mean, I know what he did for the program, but unfortunately, it, because of who he played next to, his production was was lower. And again, yeah, who coached? So um, I, I didn't put Jalen Hurd. I feel like okay. he is one of the the better. Backs See, that's, that's who I went. That was my other one. That backfield, Jalen Hurd and Alvin Kamara are my yeah. my two all decades. I, I, I did. I didn't pick Jalen Hurd just because he, you know, he didn't finish here. Um, yeah. And I, I like I like John Kelly. Um, so John Kelly's my second one just because I think he had he was the best player on a terrible team. And at one point, you know, after that Florida game, he was people were talking about him as a Heisman candidate. I mean, he would probably never win, but I mean, just the fact that he was even mentioned in the Heisman race at one point, right? Um, you know, I, I think John Kelly, I would like to see him have a couple more years at Tennessee and see what his production could have been. Yeah. I mean, John Kelly definitely, I mean, he, he kind of, he's one of those guys that fell behind similar to kind of Kamara had to play next to Hurd, kind of fell behind some guys and only had one real year to be yeah. a premier back. Right. Um, but he I mean, came yeah. back, but didn't but do what now? He could have came back another right. year, but right. decided to get to the league, which whatever, get paid. Right. Water, water receiver. And this is the one that I was like. Very and I mean similar running back, very difficult because we've had some very good wide receivers uh, on this roster. Mm-hmm. And um, but my first one's Cordell Patterson. Yeah. Um, you can't deny what he did, um, not only as a receiver but in terms of just being a flat out athlete on the field. Rushing, I mean, all purpose yards, rushing, returning, and then obviously at wide out. And again, probably a guy that if you look at a lot of his stats, they might rack up against some bad teams. But he did it against some really good teams too. Yeah. So. For show. Who's your first wide receiver? Uh, mine is Justin Hunter. Okay. Um, so the the tandem, Cordero Patterson and Justin Hunter, um, just and, and I think a lot of Tyler, you know, Tyler Bray was a good quarterback. I'm not taking anything from him, but he also had some athletes to freaking oh, work with. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Justin Hunter, Derek Rogers, and Cordero Patterson all could have found their way on this list. Yeah, I mean, potentially. So right. Um. Excuse me. My my second one is is the obvious one. I, I think is Juwan Jennings. Yep. Um, the the one that his stats have have, have been impressive, and, and then also again kind of similar to the Josh Dobbs thing, what he's done for this program, in in good years 2016, and then in the bad years of uh, 17 and 18. Um, well, because 17 didn't really do much. That was the the bad year for him. Um, but I mean he responded well from that year, and and then decided to return and kind of help. Uh, hopefully start something um, positive at UT. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's been a game changer for this this new rebuild kind of since Pruitt took over. He's kind of led the charge in getting this program back on the map. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I would go – I have the sa- exact same ones as you, Justin Hunter, Cordell <sighs> Patterson, and Juwan Jennings. Okay. So, Cordell Patterson's your third? Yeah. So, I'll, I'll – I'll, Looked at stats, and then I, I kind of, I guess, threw him a bone here, too, um, because he's not going to get on my returner list, even though he, he could lobby a position there. Um, but Marcos Callaway. Okay. Um, I th- You know, I, the reason, like, for example, I chose him over Justin Hunter um, was just what athlete. Because that, that was the two guys it boiled down to for me, was Justin Hunter and Marcos mm-hmm. Callaway. 
And for, for Callaway, it was just who's the better athlete for, for me. Um, and that's definitely Marquez Callaway. That dude's a freak. I feel like I wish I wish with Jawan Jennings, Marquez Callaway, um, and now Josh Palmer, and, and then the guys we've had in the past couple years. God, I wish we had a quarterback. Yeah. I wish we had a quarterback. And you could add – and like you said, you could add Justin Hunter. I could add Callaway. I could add Josh Malone. You know, there's a ton of wide receivers. I mean, there was a reason why people were calling us wide receiver you at one yeah. point. Yeah. Tied in. Tied in. I want Michael Rivera. I did too. I did too. I feel like that's the all. Ethan Wolf maybe could have had a say in, in terms of stats, but uh, Michael Rivera, I, don't know, I mean, that he was a monster, especially in 2012. Yeah. And um, had, a, a had a decent career in the NFL for a while. Yeah. Um, offensive line. I don't know if you did it by position, like specific position. I did. I just did. I just did, just five. did five best. Yeah. I probably should have done that. Um, just because a center. Yeah, center was Brandon. Tough. Brandon Kennedy kind of got it by default. I feel yeah. like he's been the best center, but that because I did it by position. Um, I feel like he got it by default. You know, kind of due to there not being much of a center. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I have a uh, tiny Richardson on there as well. Um, I think he was a two-time All SEC. Performer, so uh, I think a lot of guys in that. You know, we had a good offensive line at that point. No, yeah, uh, three of the guys, probably four or five, probably would have been Tiny Richardson that, that gets that gets it over Brandon Kennedy for me. Um, so if, if it's not for me going by position, four of those guys from that offensive line that yeah. was here with Bray um, would it would have gotten it, but Brandon Kennedy got that one. My my next one from that uh, right tackle is uh, Juwan James. Yeah. And an absolute monster. Yeah, I have Juwan James as well, still in the NFL. Yeah, and then uh, I've got Zach Fulton also from that that time period. Same. Uh, Dallas Thomas. Yep. And then Trey Smith. Yep, obviously. So, I mean, yeah. I think Trey Smith is probably – he And he could have fit – I probably could have put Tyne Richardson in and thrown Trey Smith at center. I'm very confident he could play that position if he was Oh, absolutely. To. I mean, he's <laughs> he's like the most dominant – I think Juwan James and – Zach Fulton obviously had a good careers. Um, they are still having good careers in the NFL. But I think Trey Smith, when you look at all around, just like tenacity and just like a, a nasty offensive lineman, Trey Smith is is your guy, 100%. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, we can flip to the defensive side of the ball. This one is kind of difficult, too. I don't, I don't think we've been known for – we've got a ton of guys that are like, you know, had some good years, but – at very few positions. Yeah. This is kind of um, weird because the offense we run is is different. Um, but I kind of just had like four – like we were running kind of a base defense. Yeah, I did that. and then But I, I gave us four linebackers, uh, yeah. obviously. Kind of so, I guess it, yeah. do it now. Kind of play with. Yeah. 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 Um, but we'll, we can start on the defensive line. I've got um, a guy that I think was underrated just because of who he played next or with, and that was Corey Vereen. Yeah. Um, I don't have him. I actually have Darrell Taylor. Um, I think he has 18 sacks in his career. Um, and that, that's why I kind of gave him the nod over Corey Vereen, which probably isn't that fair because, like you said, of who he played next to. But I, I think Darrell Taylor is, you know, this WGWTFA. That, that's always yeah, going to yeah. be in the minds of Tennessee fans from uh, from now on. So I, I go with Darrell Taylor. Okay. And then I've got at uh, the, op- the opposite end is Derek Barnett. Freak of, I mean, freak. I mean, it was hilarious. Like double, you know, I went through and checked all the stats. I mean, it's, it's some of the some of the stats he had are some seasons were hilarious. Yeah, I mean, un, unreal. Like it, it blows my mind that it took him. And it shows how good of a history Tennessee has, and then how good um, Reggie White was 
that it was it's mom blowing that it took him four years and how many bowl games would that be? I think three. So thirteen or thirteen game seasons, a couple of thirteen game seasons to beat his right to beat his all time sack record. Yeah, I mean because it it's insane. It only took him his three stat. years. Yep. Oh, no, no, I mean it took him all four technically. Or he did he. He, he said for senior, didn't he? No. He left. Okay. Yep. He left so it took him three year. years. So, yep. yeah. But it's it's insane. And he's probably one that makes the list. Like, if we're doing an all-time Tennessee team, he probably yeah. makes the list. Yeah, probably. Um, probably. Ooh. I thought he got in there. I don't know. Um, so, my next one is Malik Jackson. Um, just a, a huge, massive individual who also have had, had a good career in the NFL. So, Malik. Yep. I got Malik Jackson as well. I'm also going to go kind of a, a guy who's underrated, and I feel like he only had one productive year. Um, but I thought it was, you know, good enough to to make this list as an interior defensive lineman, and that's Kyle Phillips. Yeah. Um, I, I wish he would have had maybe another year in this defense to kind of see exactly what he could do. But he's with the Jets, and he's playing a ton. Him and Shot Tuttle are – like, that's just unfortunate of how things played out at Tennessee. Yeah, and I, I, and – there's not a ton. We haven't had a ton of good interior linemen mm-hmm. um, this these last ten years. That we've really struggled with that position. Somehow done done really well at that end, right? Producing having ends on this team, and I don't know where the interior linemen got lost. We had a couple guys that uh, I mean, Chai Tuttle I think plays better if he's healthy. You would think. I mean, you mentioned what he's doing in the NFL, yeah. Um, and then you talk about um, uh, guys like Khalil McKenzie who were was it, he was. What was he in the class? He was, I mean, he was, he's he was one like, of the top prospects. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the top prospects we've ever, yeah. ever signed and just should have been good probably for like us. Probably like top 10. And, and probably, uh, you know, that second year had a had a decent year, but kind of started falling off towards the end. That could have been due to injury as well and wear and tear, but just never really had had what it took. And, um, you know, it is, it is what it is. I, you know. I, I threw Daryl Taylor in here because I didn't think we had any other interior linemen who deserved it. So you yep. had three three ends essentially. Yeah. Um, so my last one was Derek Barnett. So Derek Barnett, Daryl Taylor, Malik Jackson, Kyle Phillips were my defensive linemen. No, I, I cheated on the linebackers too. I kind of just did the four best linebackers. I started out outside. Oh, I did, middle, I did too. I did too. Uh, and I, I kind of gave up on that. Yeah. Um, my first line because I was like, this guy. This I, I think this our four for is sure. probably going to be exactly the same. Yeah. Um, Kurt Majit. Kurt Majit. Uh, Alexander Johnson. Yep. Jalen Reese Maven. Yep. And Daniel Wattu. Yep. Uh, exactly. I mean, right. These guys are obvious in what they've done um, to this pro- for this program and for that. Uh, I mean that linebacking group. I, I feel like. I hope we can get to the point in Pruitt. I believe we'll do it um, where we're consi- where we're recruiting consistent, consistently good at the linebacking position. Yeah. When you look across the board, there are a lot of good guys who played here, and there's some years where it fell off. Um, but but you always had that one core guy. Hopefully, we can get two or three mm-hmm. really core guys in there each year because, I mean, Kurt Majit, Jalen Rees-Maben, and Alexander Johnson all should have been on the team at the same time. Yeah. So, if you can if you can replicate linebacking groups like that, you'll be fine. Oh, exactly. You'll be fine. And Jareds make you better, right? Oh, 100%. But I, I think I like what you said about recruiting linebackers because I, I feel like we've done a decent job at that. You know, just you, you lost a lot of production – um, just that transferred out this year, but you had Henry Toa Toa who came in and was basically a day one starter. So I right. feel like he could 
kind of fill that void um, with Daniel Batuli. Now, you're going to have to have somebody beside him. Is that Crouch? Is that Bryson Eason, Martavius French? You know, who, who's it going to be? Uh, but I, I feel like we've done a pretty good job in the last couple of years of recruiting at that position. Absolutely, and, ho- and hope it, hopefully it continues. Um, I'd like to see it continue. Um, cornerback, again, kind of struggled who to put here. Um, the first one was easy. Kurt, or, uh, Cam Sutton. Yeah. The first one was very easy. A uh, guy who had an impact. Feels like the entire time he was here. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a three-star. An underrated guy in high school. Yeah. And uh, coming out. Who would you have the other one? I have Rashawn Galton. Okay. I um, guess he could have played corner. Yeah. I should have. I should have. He played like played that star, you know, kind of that nickel kind of guy. Yeah. But I, I feel like he was good enough to play either that or safety, so I put him at corner. He definitely made made plenty of impacts in the secondary that should be mentioned. I'm gonna have to go with Rashawn Golden too. Yeah. Um. I threw again. I was looking at corner and I was like, I don't know of anyone who deserves it. I'm gonna put money on Bryce Thompson because of the impact he made in year one. Um, but I'll, I'll definitely go with Rashawn Galton since since we're doing. Yeah, doing I, that. I, think I think Bryce Thompson would probably be my next one. Just to, and he's he may be a guy that's on the the twenty uh, twenty twenty decade list, the next yeah, decade list. Yeah, he could be very for easy. sure, for sure. Um, safeties. Uh, my first one, I don't I don't know you know how you feel about him, and it's it's more the impact he made in his first two years. Don't know what happened after those first two years, but I think um, in those those early years, the impact you know was felt. Very hard. He was a ball hawk, and that's that's Todd Kelly Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he seemed to always be in the in the right place at the right time. I actually don't have him on my list. I have Brian Randolph as my first one, um, a guy we've actually had on the show yep. before. Um, you know, I just feel like he was a leader, kind of on and off the field as well. So absolutely. that's kind of why I put him in that um, that list. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, my next one earned it all this year, and really in the final five games, and that's Nigel Warrior. Yep, I have him. I as mean, well. I, I think. If you look at this this five game stretch, it could be very 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 pivotal to Jeremy Pruitt's foundation in this program. Yeah. Um, to end this season the way they did, and this, the schedule is favorable, but you have to go out and win the games you're supposed to win. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple tough ones in there, and you battled injury. Um, your starting quarterback played with a broken hand. Um, you you had some some wide receivers here and there out. Uh, you had guys. Um, Was Batuli suspended for the first half of the South Carolina game? You yeah. had guys out for suspension. I mean, you had a lot of – it wasn't necessarily the easiest thing, and you finished it strong, and a lot of that's due to to Nigel Warrior. And that's why I think he earned his name on this decade list in the last five games of the season. Yeah, him just emerging as a leader um, just this past year has been kind of awesome to see. If, if you're recruiting, you have any questions about the staff – or come to Tennessee, if you have any doubt about it, go talk to Nigel Warrior, and he'll tell you exactly why. Yeah. Um, he stayed and believes in this coaching staff and, and believes um, in the direction of where this program's headed. Right. Absolutely. Moving into the special teams. Kicker. Marissa Maglia. Oh, Best yeah. percentage. Easy. Easy. Best percentage from 50-plus. It, oh, yeah, it's not even a question. And, and Michael Pilardi, if he – Changes whatever he changed from Dooley to, to Butch Jones probably gets a name on here. I think he should get honorable mention just because of what he did his senior year in the punting game and kicking game. Yeah. He, did, he, did, he handled both – or all three duties, punting, kickoff, and um, and field goal, and handled them real well. But, yeah, overall, Brinson Mackley has been been much better. Yeah. Um, and then punter, I feel like Trevor Daniels, obvious. Oh, yeah. So I mean, he's just a freak athlete. I, it's, it's insane, like – 
you know, how well Joe Doyle punted last year. I don't know what's happened this year in that in that regard. I don't know if it's just the consistency of not finding one punter, Paxton and Joe Doyle both had opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly what's happened there, but it's struggled. Um, but I mean, the, even the drop off, Joe Doyle played well last year, and even the drop off after losing Trevor Daniel was very obvious. When Trevor Daniel dunked a basketball, I knew he was going to be on my list. For that. <laughs> <clears throat> a man can jump. Kick returner. Evan Berry. Easy. He's so bad for Mark West. I feel bad for Callaway. I so, about- so I did a punt returner, too, and I have Mark West Callaway. I, I thought about texting you and see if you want to change that because I was like, Callaway's got to get on my list. I thought he fit there at wide receiver, so I didn't text you. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Punt returner, kick returner. I mean, Evan Berry could be both, but, yeah, Mark West Callaway deserves punt returner, too. Um, yeah, I thought Cam Sutton could be on there. Patterson could be on that list as well. Pat Patterson could be returner. Probably would be if he there were yeah. better wide receivers than him. Right. Yep. Um, more so than Evan Berry. Mm. So, uh, Patterson's ability to you know affect the game in any position is absolutely incredible. And, yeah, it's I mean, it's why he's on an NFL roster. They, everybody said he's not a great route runner coming out of college, and the reason he's on an NFL roster is because of his ability to impact. A, just makes plays. Yeah, just makes plays. Um, we ready to get into. I guess we'll go to, go ahead and go to the college yeah. ball. Before we do that, though, I've got some people to tell you about. And we're good whenever. Oh, we are? Yeah. So oh. we can go ahead and jump in that if you want to. All right. Well, let me do this. Let me do this ad real quick for 865 Axe Throwing. It is a one-of-a-kind experience. It's perfect for date nights, birthdays, anniversaries, friends' night out, wedding parties, corporate team building events, 865 Axe Throwing, where locals hang out. They're the first axe throwing range in Knox County and the only outdoor range in the area. They have a friendly and knowledgeable axe coaches that can teach anyone how to throw confidently and safely. Once you stick your first axe, you will be hooked. It's located only 15 minutes from downtown, and their atmosphere can't be beat. Throw axes, play cornhole, tabletop checkers, mega jenga, or just hang out by the fire. They are family-friendly farm fun. Guys, go check them out. Also, right now, A65 Axe Throwing for the winter months has $30 Thursdays. So if you go on Thursday, you can throw for... Two for $30. Go do that right now. If you aren't there on Thursday, though, I can still help you out. Use the promo code More Important Issues at check in for $5 off. It's promo code More Important Issues at check in. Go check out 865 Axe Throwing. Guys, we're going to go to a short break real quick and get Aaron, Hay- Aaron Hayden on to talk about some, uh, some high school football in the state of Tennessee. And we'll be right back. We welcome on to the show former Vol running back Aaron Hayden. Aaron, did you and your family have a great Christmas? We had a really good Christmas. Uh, great Christmas. Uh, everybody at home hadn't had that in a couple of years, so we uh having a very good Christmas. How about you? That's awesome. Yeah, we, me and Caleb were kind of talking about the, the older we get, the more clothes we get, obviously, but also we, we kind of appreciate Christmas for the – you know the family atmosphere, not much the presence anymore. That's that's just the older older we get, um, the more we appreciate it for the right stuff. Yeah, I think you open your eyes up a little bit more as you get older. Yeah, and you absolutely. appreciate the moment. <laughs> um, so, bowl season is here. Tennessee is already in Jacksonville. So, what's your thoughts on the Vols going bowling? I think it's a great um, great season. I think it's a great story. I think it's a great foundation. 
and I actually think it's a great opponent for us. So I think we'll keep this momentum going. Um, I think we got a great draw. I'm glad to see we're back in the Florida, New uh, you know, Florida bowl game, and uh, I'm just excited about the future of Tennessee. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you're talking about the future, and you know, with the slow start this season, you know, what what do you think was the big turnaround for this team uh, this season? I think uh, the Georgia game for me, when uh, coach called timeout right in the red zone, um, right when he got the penalty, I'm sorry, when he got the penalty, right when uh, Georgia was going and scoring the red zone, mm-hmm. it just seems like after that, the team just started fighting. And from that point on, they took on his personality when he probably almost got kicked out of the game. <laughs> you know, I think after that, I think the team just took on his personality and became a, a blue collar, feisty, you know, us against the world, you know, type of mentality. And it started with the guys up front. It just seemed like at that point they started playing a lot different on both sides of the ball and just selling out and being a, a real aggressive group of football players and, and really, you know, your lunch pail, bring your lunch pail and your hard hat type type guys like we had, you know, back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, you talk about that fight and that grit and, you know, just the Memphis area, that's what you think about when you think of those players out of Memphis. You know, your son, um, Dallin, is a 2022 uh, recruit at Christian Brothers. Um, Tennessee, you know, had a ton of success in recruiting this year um, in that Memphis area. You know, what do you think they need to do to continue that success um, in that area? I think what Coach Johnson did a real good job of uh, networking here with uh, the coaches here and finding out, you know, the small details that you really need to do to uh, really get to know, you know, who the decision makers are, you know, what the – pressure points are for the recruits and he, and he did a really good job of, of just really connecting where the previous staff, you know, they come in last minute and try to grab a guy like Maurice Hampton, but LSU and Alabama have formed relationships with him and his coaches and, and his family for two or three years and a guy blows up and people are talking about you for not getting the guy in your home state and then all of a sudden you want to come in and try to get him. And what Coach Johnson did is with all those guys is early on when he got there, was to uh, establish relationships with the coaches, the players, their families, and he just basically put a bow on it at the end of the, uh, December by getting those kids to sign. I mean, you know, I know just being around here, he's you know he's been here and spent a lot of time here. So it's Coach Pruitt, so it's Coach uh, Ainsley, a lot of guys that spent a lot of time here uh, reestablishing those connections and networking in this area. And I just hope uh, that they continue to do it. And the other thing is, this was a year where Tennessee. West Tennessee, and I would say Memphis in particular, has some really special guys here that could play as well. Right. Yeah, and and one of those guys that kind of were on late, but, you know, David Johnson did a great job of establishing that relationship was Jabari Small, a guy that, you know, didn't really think we would, you know, be a take, you know, earlier in the year. Um, but he had a great senior season, and, and, you know, just having that relationships in there, um, as soon as Tennessee kind of like got really heavy in his recruitment, it, it seemed to just click. Yeah, I, I would say Coach Johnson did that. I know for a fact he did that with some other players as well mm-hmm. that may have not been takes early on and wasn't rated real high, but just played their way into being really good players as seniors. And because he had established relationships with those guys their junior year, when other people weren't talking to him, you know, he was able to uh, pull them through when you know Tennessee realized that they were takes or people that, you know, they had a spot for him or a place for him to play. He did that with several guys, and 
that had a lot to do with why he ended up getting some other guys as well. Yeah. So he's he's done his homework, and uh, I think that's – if you had to ask me what's uh, Coach Johnson's strength, is that he does do that. He's in constant contact with these guys. Even if they're not guys that are initial takes, he still treats them and uh, communicates with them like they're, you know, priority number one. Yeah, I think Tennessee's priority no- number one needs to be in this offseason is pay that man whatever he whatever he wants. Um, but but you saw a ton of good teams, you know, this season. Um, teams like Montgomery Bell Academy, MUS, McCauley. You know, who were some of the most talented players that you saw um, this this past high school season? I would say I've been coaching up here for a while and been around, you know, high school football because of Chase for a while. And I would have to say Jay Hardy's the best football player I've at least coached against or saw mm-hmm. live on the field. And then I would say uh, Brian Easton is probably number two. Not number, not probably, but he is number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I watched him play against Houston in the uh, playoff game and just to watch his range as a linebacker, uh, from sideline to sideline at 270, the way that he can move and accelerate through the ball. He's always going forward, making tackles. He just does some things that, to be honest with you, I was kind of sitting there thinking, how is this guy not going to Alabama or Auburn? Like, it seems like he's that type of linebacker. So yeah. I'm ecstatic that he's actually coming up to Knoxville and will be playing for us. And I think he's one that will play early just because of what he can do. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's been a depth issue at that position anyway. And for him to be, you know, he's listed at like 270, but he, he just he, – he doesn't run or move like he's 270 pounds. Um, he doesn't. But, and, but uh, when he hits I, you, it looks like a 270-pound kid hits you. That's when I was talking to Coach uh, Pruitt. We were just talking about the uh, the guys around here, you know, after they signed. And, and the thing that I, you know, mentioned, I was like, he's a thumper. That's, you know, <laughs> there's one thing to be a guy that can get there and make tackles, but there's a there's a – few special guys in the SEC that are thumpers. When they get there, they get there with a bad attitude, and you know that they were there. I think he'll be one of those guys. Right, and and you talked about you know some of the guys in, in the state of Tennessee that have uh, really impressed you. As a whole, this state just seems like every year there's more and more talent come out of it. I think I, I saw last night in the uh, Ohio State-Clemson game there were, there were four Mr. Football winners playing on uh, either Ohio State or, or Clemson's roster. With how much – the state of Tennessee improving it. It's really, really important for for the Vols to to try to recruit better in the state, especially Memphis. How do you feel? This year has to be a, a stepping stone in the right direction. Do you do you feel the energy around Memphis kind of trending towards the Vols, or is it still very neutral in, in the SEC? I think anytime Tennessee's winning, of course, that the uh, it's going to be a positive trend towards the Vols, and I think that's the most important thing is that they continue to win. They continue to win big games. I think when they have their Georgia, Alabama, or Florida games at home, you got to get the uh, West Tennessee, Memphis kids up there so that they can see what that atmosphere is about. I tell people all the time, you know, I'm a kid from Detroit that came to Knoxville. If you can get somebody on campus, it's a hard, hard deal not to be able to close that one if you can get talented kids on campus Mm -hmm. because there's just so much that's impressive about uh, the stadium, the facilities, the atmosphere, the history, like if you can get a kid on campus, why wouldn't you want to be a part of that? The the pro lineage, I mean, there's so much to offer if you can get a guy on campus, but a lot of kids, because we hadn't been dominant like we were when I was there, they don't know much about the dominance, so they don't even visit campus. But if you can get them on campus with that staff and our tradition, I just think it's a hard deal not to get be able to close the deal. I mean, look at what they did with the kids from Memphis this year. 
they all came up there for the Georgia game and I think the South Carolina game, and that's when everybody started to commit and and uh, their thought process about Tennessee changed because with the right players, you know, we are, you know, the Alabamas and, and Georgias and Floridas, you know, with the right players. It wasn't that long ago. You know right. what I mean? Right, and, you know, you, you, you could probably put it, together like a top 20 class just with the talent in Tennessee this year. Um, you know, the, there's been a – there seems to be a drastic increase in just the talent level in this state. You know, wh- what do you think is the biggest reason for that? Well, I think one thing, if you look at the private school division right now, the big the big private school division, I mean, you got players with offers from Georgia and Alabama and, and any and everybody, Ohio State. I mean, I think that private school division is so solid right now. And then if you look at like the 6A schools, Whitehaven and, and the Maribels and the Ravenwoods and uh, Oakland and schools like that, I mean, the talent level as far as like it used to be when I when I was coming through, you know, the Bubba Millers, Joe Smith, Jason Lehman, you got your linemen from the state of Tennessee and they went on to be All-Americans and pros, but you had to go get your skills from other places. Right. Well, now you look at the Keyshawn Johnson, I mean, Keyshawn Lawrence kids and, and um, a lot of kids, Jabari Smalls, the kids that are playing – you know, private school ball, you know, they're just, they're, they're super talented. Uh, you know, I can remember, you know, Ty Chandler, watching Ty Chandler, you know, play, you know, back in the day, Brentwood Academy probably didn't have the star player running back. They had linemen and tight ends and DNs and stuff like that that went to Tennessee. But, you know, the Ty Chandler's wasn't there. But you get in this class, you got Kadaria Richardson, you had, you know, Ty Chandler, you had uh, you know, Jacoby Stevens was an athlete. You know, nobody really know what he what he played. You look at the kids at like Clemson, Higgins, and uh, Rogers, and I mean, you can just keep going with all this, these talented skill players. So I just think the the focus with seven on seven and a lot of these guys switching from basketball to football, like Keyshawn Lawrence, like my son Chase, uh, switching from football. I mean, from basketball to football. I think you're getting a lot of the elite athletes in the state to actually play football, and I think that has a lot to do with it. And seven on seven is so organized. And these kids are starting to get get to camp, and you have to thank a lot of these organizations that have gotten these guys out there early. These seven on seven teams and some of these these training camps and coaches—they're getting a lot of kids exposure. And the other thing is, I mean, Tennessee's getting out there and finding out who these guys are. Like I said, this group, this staff that's up there now is doing a really, really good job of putting a footprint on networking and knowing the high school coaches and the seven on seven coaches. So they're knowing about kids when they're in the eighth grade. I mean, they're offering kids in the eighth grade that are, you know, turning into a beast by the time they're, they're, uh, you know, they're juniors and seniors and making decisions to go to college. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, your son seems to be trending that direction. Already has offers from Georgia, um, Florida, Tennessee, Arkansas. I think Duke was in there as well. Um, so, kind of what's what's that like? You know, you you went through it with Chase. Um, now he's at Arkansas, and you know what's it like having another son, kind of getting those same SEC offers. Uh, I think I'm just, I've, you know, I've learned a lot more with Chase. You know, we were kind of learning together, and I was depending on, you know, a lot of contacts that I had, and you know, people up there, you know, Brett Hubs, and and just different, you know, different people that I knew, Terry Fair, people that were in the game, you know, right now, because when I came through, you know, the age of. Western Union and VCR tapes <laughs> <laughs> and, and actual word of mouth probably got you, uh, you know, got you recruited. Whereas, you know, now it's about going to camp. Uh, I remember uh, one of the guys telling me, you know, if you want offers, you go to college camps and camp. If you want to be rated, you got to go to the, you know, the combine camps and, mm-hmm. 
And so, you know, I learned that. And then with Dallin, you know, I even learned that if you play 707, you can kind of get your name out there early. Yeah. Especially if you just kind of looked apart and, and you got the skill set, which he does. Uh, he's, you know, tremendously athletic and talented, and he has a great body. You know, Chase was a little smaller. But Dallin's going to be, you know, he's going to be a bit like me. So you see that early on. I mean, yeah, he was ripped as an eighth grader. He looked like he was, you know, 16, 17 years old. And that's part <laughs> of it now. You know, everybody's trying to beat everybody to the dance. So, yeah. you know, uh, Tennessee, you know, pulled the trigger on him in the eighth grade. And then, you know, by ninth grade, you know, Georgia and, you know, different schools were um, – uh, you know, pulling the trigger on him. And then, you know, he's a track kid as well. And he's extremely fast, so that doesn't hurt, you know, as well. So right. it's just a matter of getting the kids out there and getting them exposure. And then, um, like I'm telling him right now, we're working on working because you want to be able to get make those offers committable offers. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't be – you can't just be uh, potential. That potential world gets plenty of people in trouble. So it's just a matter of putting the work in yeah. to validate, you know, what people think you you should be and – Hopefully we'll you know we'll pass that. Yeah, and so you know, you know we're super excited to k- kind of see where his <clears throat> recruitment goes. You know we saw the chase um, stuff. Unfortunately, it didn't fall in Tennessee's favor, but it looks like it seems to have kind of worked out for Chase. Um, but but as as Tennessee's program, you know it seems like we've kind of you know especially with this win streak, we it seems like the program you can kind of see where it's headed. Um, what what are your kind of thoughts on on where the program is headed? You know, you seem to like well, the staff. Um, so, where, where do you kind of see the the program headed? Well, I think it starts with the with the head man, AD. I think it starts with Coach Former bringing uh, former players back into the fold, um, having people excited about just Tennessee sports in general, and then going and hiring a football guy. I think uh, a lot of times it's overlooked that these ADs hire these firms and they go hire these coaches and sometimes they don't um, match up with the program a la uh, Bush Jones and Derek Dooley. You know what I'm saying? I'm just being honest. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But when you get a football guy that's actually making football decisions, I don't think Jeremy Pruitt was a sexy pick, but Jeremy Pruitt was what we needed and he was was an SEC football coach. And that's what we needed to bring a program that was lacking – of you know star power we had to do it the blue collar way and having a coach like him i think it's been perfect and then having the staff that he has and the recruitment relationships that he has now you know we laid the foundation for being a blue collar we'll hit you in the mouth physical football team now we can go out and sign some kids that that like we used to have (laughs) you know when coach former if you think about it it's really their personality is a lot different but it's the blueprint of what coach former did when we were dominant and coach majors did when we were dominant He's kind of taking the same blueprint. We know it's a different personality, but it's the same blueprint. In the SEC, you win the games up front yeah. on the you know the front, the box, the seven on defense, and the, the front front five on offense, and that's the way it works. And he seems to understand that. But there's a lot of guys that get these jobs. A la Bush Jones and, and Derek Dooley didn't even sign any offensive linemen. I mean, I did not <laughs> sign offensive linemen. So he understands where you where you where you win the game and. That's where he's really put his focus, if you think about it. And the thing I like about him that I think he gets no credit for, especially when in comparison to, you know, what my other son was doing with at Arkansas, on day one, he didn't come in and say, wait till I get my players in here. He basically said, I'm going to take these players and I'm going to make them tough. And we're going to go out and we're going to fight. And it took a minute. But then he's done everything that he said he was going to do. That's the thing I love about the guy. He didn't go and try to bring in all these grad transfers and run a whole bunch of people out. He hadn't really had a lot of people lead the team. He's had a lot of guys step into roles and 
played better than they've ever played mm-hmm. up any other, you know, under any other coaches. You look at Callaway and Juwan Jennings, I think they're a perfect example of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and you talked about that, that the mentality that, that Jeremy Pruitt brings to the team. And I think that's, I think everybody knows that that's going to be big in this turnaround. It, being around recruiting, you, you talked about how you, you've kind of had to learn the process over. How do, how do you go and make sure you're getting guys? Obviously, you're never going to assign everybody that's on the same page. You're going to have guys transfer or leave early. But how do you go about recruiting those guys that have that blue collar, we're going to hit you in the mouth mentality? How, how, did, how does that happen for Jeremy Pruitt? And- I mean, all you got to do is sit down and talk to Coach Pruitt for, you know, 10, 15 minutes, which I've had, you know, the privilege of doing quite a bit uh, here lately. And um, all you all I can see is what he focuses on. Uh, he told me a couple of things, and I don't want to give away any of his secrets. But he, you know, he'll go, he'll go and just sit in the parking lot and watch watch kids come out and see who you know who's the first kid to come out the the locker room if it's a kid that they're recruiting, and he'll watch him practice before he walk on the field to see what he's really getting. You know, who's who's really who the kid really is before you know Jeremy Furr from Tennessee walks out there, and then the kid straightens everything up and. And, uh, you know, starts practicing hard and stuff like that. So I've heard a couple of stories with him like that. I mean, he's just big on on doing his homework. And, I mean, here recently, you know, I won't say any names, but I know they pulled away from some kids. You know, I know the kids like to put, you know, they decommitting and respect the decision, which I can't stand that that phrase. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, he, he decided, you know, four or five kids he wasn't going to take just because, you know, there were some things that didn't sit right about him. So the thing I like about him, he's not caught up in – and, um, you know, the four or five star ratings and, and all the rankings and deals like that, he really, especially the top kids, he goes and spends time. I mean, it's almost like he, he doesn't realize he's the head coach because he's, <laughs> I just know from his, his traveling, you know, he travels and, and, and recruits and goes by himself into these high schools. And like I said, he spends, you know, 30 minutes there before the kids even get there checking them out and asking about them, asking about them in the, in the lunchroom and in the weight room and in the cafeteria. If they have a training room, I mean, he really he really does his his research, and, he, and you know he'll he'll say in a minute, you know, I just got a gut feeling about that kid, you know, good or bad, and he'll he'll react on that. You know, I, I like that. He's not complicated at all. I mean, which, yeah, he's very. And simple. I say that I say that I say that as a as a huge compliment. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys try to make it seem like they're they're uh, doing you know neurosurgery or, or something like that, <laughs> yeah. and all these statistics and feeling real good about themselves and you know i think he's one of those guys that he realizes about the, the jimmy and joes and then it makes those x and o's a lot easier yeah absolutely and i think that's kind of straight out of philip former's book um you know i feel like he kind of learned a lot from him um you mentioned you mentioned the jimmy and joes like that that's what former preached on um and so you know when you're able to just hire just a football guy like jeremy Pruitt, i don't think you can actually go wrong um like you said, it wasn't a sexy hire, but it, you know, just going with a football guy, it was something that Tennessee needed. And and I think the other thing people don't realize is this guy is born and bred and did everything at the University of Alabama in a, in the you know in the, the if you want to say who's on the pedestal, it's the University of Alabama, and he mm-hmm. he did every role there was in the football program at a great program like that. You know, I don't like the program, but you have to respect <laughs> the program, right. um, and and. And so there has to be something you learn when you spent that much time and you've done, you've had the experience of doing every role in a program like that. And we're never going to be down because of our resources, we have just made resources are not more than even Alabama. You know what I mean? Like, so right. that's not going to be the issue. 
Mm. So if you have a blueprint for how to be successful with the resources that we have, with the tradition that we have, and the dude, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to give away his secrets, but, you know, sometimes, you know, you may talk to him super early in the morning and he's out recruiting, not the kid, not the, not the staff, he's out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and nobody's going to beat him out there. So he still thinks and works like a, uh, assistant coach trying to make it. Yeah. So if you do that and, and, and you know what you're doing, I think it's kind of hard not to be successful. And the kids respect that too. Your coaches and the kids respect it. I know I respect it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that's going a long ways. You, you know, just with guys like Nigel Warrior, you know, they see the work that, you know, the staff and Jeremy Pruitt have put in. That's kind of what, you know, changed their whole football career um, is just seeing that and just buying into a program like that. Yeah, I mean, if you look at just Nigel Warrior and you look at the trajectory he was on and what people probably thought about, you know, his ability versus what he did this year. I mean, he made all SEC. You know, you go from being a guy that people are saying, you know, basically, can we get him off the field? I'm just saying what people were saying. We all knew he was talented. Mm -hmm. But to what he turned into, and it happened, in in my opinion, you know, after about week three. So it wasn't like (laughs) even just it was his senior year and, you know, okay, now he's going to play. You could just see the development of that secondary from the time we lost two games that were most embarrassing losses, you know, in a long time Mm -hmm. to – you know, the end of the season, how well that secondary was playing. I mean, it has to be something with, with coaching, you know, right. so I have to give DA and, 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 uh, Jeremy a lot of, a lot of kudos on that one for just sticking with kids. And they seem like they're trying to develop kids. And like I say, I could point to some other programs where it's just, okay, throw somebody else out there. Okay. Throw somebody else out there. He didn't do it. Okay. Throw somebody else out there. Okay. I'll try to recruit over them. No, it wasn't a lot of that at Tennessee. These guys, they were just letting guys play, let them take their lumps. They were coaching them up, and I think a lot of those kids, if they started at getting C grades, by the end of the year they were getting B pluses, and a lot of them were getting A's. I guarantee you, after the games. Yeah. And Nigel Warrior definitely was one of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The 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 la- the impact he had in the last half of the season. I mean, it, it was a it was a huge reason why Tennessee why Tennessee was able to do what they did um, in the in those final couple games. Um, so, so Tennessee, you, you like to think a head coach is going to make a big leap in his third year. This, a lot of people like to say this should be his breakout year. Is Tennessee ready to make that jump? I mean, I know we, we thankfully still have one game left in this season, uh, but looking forward, can Tennessee make that jump in year three? I think Tennessee has to make that jump. I, you know, me personally, I look at you're going to have a really good offensive line. Even if Trey Smith doesn't come back, if he comes back, it's going to be ridiculous. But you're going to have a a quarterback that should be ready. We know he can make all the throws. I mean, I would assume that he has to have his probably his best year that he's been there. That we're going to have some speed on the outside that we really hadn't had. I mean, those guys play extremely well, but we hadn't just had guys that you know you can hand it to on reverses or bubble screens, and you know they go sixty like Marcus Nash and Nalo Sylvan in a long time. Mm-hmm. You got to think about the defense is going to be a veteran defense. There, you got to replace them at at the. Uh, at the mic and a couple more D linemen, you kind of need that edge rusher that can just go beat people one on one. But I think they've kind of addressed some of that in, in in recruiting. The one position that I worry about, and you know, I'm hard on that position. I just worry about we still hadn't had that that running back that we've had, you know, in the past that that can take it, you know, take it 80 or you know, carry it 25 times. That's that's the only one that I I still worry about a little bit um, because I do think our line will be SEC level. I'm ready to to have a all ACC running back playing back there. I just 
you know, I don't know if it'll be done by committee or what, but we, I still don't think we have that guy like we had when I was there. Well, we had, you know, three or four of them when I was there, but mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> um, but I, I still think that that would be the one position that I, that I would say don't, and that, that's not knocking anybody. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, we hadn't had that guy, J.K. Dobbins type, that's gonna, you know, we can put the, the game in his hand, and if you give it to him 25 times, you know, he's gonna break four or five runs. So, right. um, that's you know, that's what I'm looking for. But I, I do think it would be if we're not trying to, you know, think that we can win, you know, 10 games next year, nine, 10 games, and then the year after that, you know, we'll try to compete for the SEC. East, um, I, I think they're you know they're they're that close. That's just me. Yeah. And I and I like the Harrison Bailey kid. I've seen him on the seven hundred seven circuit for a while, and uh, I think I think he's the real deal. So mm-hmm. um, now you're getting the type of guys that we had, you know, years when we were successful. I think at the skill positions. Right. Well, that's awesome to hear. Um, you know, we appreciate you coming on. We won't hold you up anymore. I hope I hope you and your family have a wonderful. Um, New Year, um, an excellent 2020. Hopefully the Vols are, are celebrating a bowl win here in the next couple of days, and uh, we'll have to do this again soon. Oh uh, Yeah, anytime, man. I think it's a great matchup. I think Indiana, I think we match up very well with, oh, yeah. with Indiana uh, speed-wise, size-wise, uh, scheme-wise, and I, I think so. I think it'll catapult us to a, to go to a great start in 2020, and I hope you know we finish strong. Um, recruiting, uh, I think we're going to make a big splash. I think we'll get some exciting news that that uh, pretty soon, I guess, or I guess signing day or whatever. But yeah. um, I think I think we'll be a, a lot higher in our recruiting rankings than people think we're going to be. Sounds good. We just need that production on the field. I, I guess is kind of all Jeremy Pruitt is worried oh, about. Oh, that's that. where <laughs> that's where it matters. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's where it matters. Yeah. Texas A&M. Yeah. Well, Aaron, I appreciate you. We appreciate you coming on. Um, and, and we'll we'll do it again here in the next couple months when uh when Tennessee's celebrating that bowl win. Okay. All right, brother. I right, appreciate it. You too. That was a uh, Vol for Life, Aaron Hayden. Great, always talking to him anytime we get. Um, good to talk about this recruiting class that could round out. He mentioned there at the end could round out really nicely. Um, and then ten, you know, talking about how Tennessee's doing their job. Right maybe, now in Memphis. maybe he knows something we don't. Maybe, yeah, may, and maybe that too. Maybe. Um, you know, we're, we have thoughts. He may have some more insight. Yeah. Uh, so his thoughts may be more sure than ours. But, uh, yeah, that was um, always good to talk to talk to Aaron, and uh, we'll definitely be getting him back on here soon. We are going to do a college football recap. Before we do that, two things. Number one, the Titans are going to win, and they'll be in the playoffs. Ooh. Did you think they'd get it done? I didn't. I didn't either. Something about it, you know. Yeah, I, I didn't believe it. That tan, tan a thrill, baby. I, again, everyone's kind of surprised. I mean, I get why you're – some people are way more shocked than they should be. He was good in Miami and when Miami wasn't very good. Miami's never been good. Yeah. Well, the last couple of years. And he was good with some bad Miami teams. So, But um, I, I didn't think he'd be that much better than right, Mariota. Right. I, I don't know. This year, I this Mariota, I'd say yes. Maybe I, not I, Mariota's. I would say the game changer is that man right there, Derrick oh, Henry. Oh, dude, he's a monster. Because um, he just ran a touchdown. Did you see it? Yeah. yeah. And now he's leading the NFL in rushing. Yeah, he's – Derrick Henry's nasty. Um, before we get into college football recap, as a true football fan, you already know, just as sure as the seasons change, Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in the game. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test. So why aren't you doing the same? Now is the time – to get off the sidelines and get in the game with MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite 
pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the best prop, the most props of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try parlay. Pick your locks for the week, put them in together in one parlay bet, and when they all come through, the rewards will be huge. huge. Tired of watching the games from the uh, from the couch with nothing to gain? My bookie wants to get your mind off everything and back on the game. Best part is if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. You heard that right. If you put one in, put in a thousand dollars, they'll give you a thousand dollars. That's double your initial deposit that you can use on all your favorite picks. Just use the promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Let's look at some college football. I actually have some recruiting news. Just oh, real quick. some recruiting news. Just real quick. Um, so five-star offensive tackle, Broderick Jones. Um, he's a Georgia commit. Um, kind of has Tennessee up there as maybe a potential landing spot for him. Yeah, I saw that today. So, you, I mean, you feel good about that? That's I don't. I mean, are we third on that list? What was it? George Auburn. Us? Are we third? Yeah, I think um, maybe. I mean, I mean, when he's close by in Lithonia, Georgia, um, he's number nineteen prospect in the country at that offensive tackle. I mean, you could never have enough offensive linemen. No. And, and I like what Aaron Hayden said. He mentioned Derek Dooley when he didn't recruit an offensive lineman. <laughs> Um, and then we had Jabari Davis on. He kind of explained, you know, SEC games are one in the trenches. Yeah. So you can never have too many <clears throat> offensive linemen. Now, they're not credited a lot, but you can never have too many guys blocking for your playmaker. No, absolutely not. Um, we get a visit with him too, right? Yeah. He, he gets, he, or, he, sorry, he, will, he gets a visit with us. Yeah, he'll schedule a, a official visit. Um, but didn't sign early. You know, he, he was committed to Georgia and did not sign early, so – you know, I think the Sam Pittman thing was probably a big thing in his recruitment. Um, but, you know, Tennessee put themselves in the thick of things, so we'll kind of see where where that um, recruitment heads. Um, but Tennessee has some signees already. You know, they're competing this week in the All-American games. You have Dominique Bailey, who will put, participate in the Under Armour All-American game with Broderick Jones. So I'm sure um, this staff will maybe put that in his ear to kind of Hey, man, you want to come to right. Tennessee? Um, and then Amari Thomas, Keyshawn Lawrence, and Will Albright will, will participate in this, in San Antonio for the All-American Bowl on January 4th. Um, Fall recruiting reports told me that Harrison Bailey will not participate. He yeah. has a small wrist injury. Um, so nothing nothing bad, but, you know, didn't want to risk it. So I'm cool with that. Yeah, I am too. That's fine. <laughs> we need him. Yeah, you don't you don't need to throw for seven touchdowns in that All Star game. No, It'll be okay, sweet angel. Yeah. It'll be okay. Yeah, you, we'll we'll mark you rest as a five easy. star in, my, in our book. Yeah, if that's... Just, just rest easy. Yeah, rest easy. College football, college football, man. That was do you fun. know the Do you know your record? I don't. You're fifteen and six. Oh, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. good. Pretty good. You're two games ahead of me. I'm thirteen and eight. Okay, that's not yeah, bad either. No, it's not, not not terrible. So which one did we lose? Did who picked Air Force? Neither of us picked Air Force. We did we both picked Washington State. Gosh. Uh, we did both pick Iowa confidently. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean that <laughs> USC's a dumpster fire. They're um, rain, but they're a dumpster fire. See, you missed Ohio State. You better you, you picked Ohio State. I did pick Ohio State. I picked Wake Forest. You picked Michigan State. Um, I lost that one, and then we both picked Miami. And that's it. That's the only ones we missed this week after our last show. Dude, Miami. Sorry, Miami terrible. we'd already missed, I guess. Miami's terrible. 
So I missed Wake Forest. You missed. We both missed Washington State. So we we both only lost two this week, mm. or since our last year. Not bad. I'll take that. No, two out of. I'll take that. I'll see here. One. Two out of ten. Like, or sorry, one eight out of ten. I'll take those odds any day. Yeah. <laughs> um. We do have a few more bowls coming up this week before our next episode. The bulk, the bulk of the, um, of them with the uh, New Year's bowls. Um, I assume we're, we'll do a new, probably a New Year's episode. I guess yeah. New Year's yeah. Day episode. But most of those games will have happened or or will be on by the time we do it. So we'll go ahead and pick them. Uh, but starting with Monday, the Surf Pro, Surf Pro, Surf Pro, First Responders Bowl, Western Kentucky, Michigan. I'm going to go Western Michigan. You're going Western Michigan? I don't have confidence in uh, Tyson Hilton. Don't have any confidence in, in Hilton? No. I'm gonna go, I am going to go Western Kentucky. They've had – they they beat UAB this year? I feel like they had a decent year for, for where they were at. So, I'll uh, I'll, I'll go to Western Kentucky there. That and i, I got to gain some ground on you. So, yeah, I'll try you, with a bowl that you never me. know. That's yeah, fine. That's fine. That's fine. Um, the Franklin Mortgage Music City Bowl, Mississippi State – um and Louisville, according to Matt Jones, should have been Tennessee. Uh, maybe he just has bad sources. Maybe, maybe. Um, I'm gonna go. This one's tough. It is tough. I'm going Louisville. I'm gonna go Mississippi State. Okay. I just, I don't know. Just I, something Mississippi State. Like I just keep thinking about the game that we played them, and they're terrible. But and then they're and playing, the, a, the ACC is just straight trash. Louisville. Finish the year on a, besides a loss to Kentucky, a decently hot note. Yeah, and they got yeah they did get blown out by Kentucky. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna go Mississippi State. Uh, next is the Red Box Bowl. Didn't know either of those things existed. The Red Box or the Bowl. Uh, Cal versus Illinois. Illinois. You don't know Illinois. the Red Box? Huh? No, I have Amazon or. I mean, I'm I'm with you. I can't believe it still exists. That's what I mean. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Like. It shouldn't exist, but it does. No, because it's straight trash. Yeah. Every movie that you get out of there, it, like skips right. a million times. Um, ooh, this one's tough. I'm gonna go Cal. I'm going Cal as well. Lovey, and Lovey then Smith. In the, sorry, what? Lovey Smith. Isn't he the coach at? Lovey Illinois? is the coach at Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. That awesome white beard. And the Capital One Orange Bowl, number nine, Florida versus number twenty-four, Virginia. I'm gonna go Florida. I'm going ACC Florida is trash. as well. It's a 14 and a half. Oh, wow. Is the, is the, line. I think I might take Virginia Tech to cover though. It's a big spread. Maybe. Or not Virginia Tech. Sorry, Virginia. Um, and then on Tuesday, the 31st, starting with the Belt Bowl, Kentucky versus Virginia Tech. This is, I feel like this is a really difficult one. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Lynn Bowden Jr. ends it, ends, um, his career at Kentucky on a high note and, I, and they win. I think I've got to go that he's playing right. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I. I mean, I, I can, just don't see how Virginia Tech. I feel can like stop he can him. only increase him his stock if, right. if, if he plays. I, I don't. I don't see how Virginia Tech can stop him. No, I, I don't see it being no. done. Uh, next, I'm surprised that they are in a bowl. Honestly, it it blows my mind. <laughs> uh, the is it Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, FSU versus Arizona State. So is, is, is Norvell coach the bowl? How does that how does that work? 
Yeah, I guess so. I guess. I don't, I've never... I mean, Willie Taggart is. <laughs> no, he's not. He is not coaching it. At the tune of $18 million, yeah. he will not be coaching it. Uh, I don't I don't know. I think... I'm going to go Florida State just because I think them them getting a good hire in Norvell, I think that kind of helps them out. It's and, like playing for a new coach. You have a little bit of energy. That's, yeah. That's why I'm going Florida State. And, I'm with you. And Jaden Daniels is a freshman quarterback at Arizona State. Yeah, let's not pretend Arizona State's good. No. <laughs> I mean, we, we know what FSU is, too. Yeah, sorry, Herm. Yeah. Uh, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, Navy and Kansas State. I'm going to go the the kid from Tennessee. I'm going to okay. go Malcolm Perry and Navy. I'm going Kansas State. I don't okay. know if Navy's got, got it to get, to get it done. And then in the Nova Home Loan Arizona Bowl, Wyoming versus Georgia State. Georgia State. Georgia State? You're taking Georgia State? Yeah. I'll take Georgia State, too, just because they beat us. I need us to look a little bit better. <laughs> the I'll Valero Alamo Bowl. I just, like, got in a bad mood just for seeing their just logo. hearing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number 11, Utah versus Texas. God, this is... I, I got to go Utah. Right? I'm, going, I'm going Utah. The line's only seven. I feel like yeah, that's it's not, it's not, very... not... I feel like Utah should kill them. I don't know. I thought they should be in the college football playoff too, but they lost. Right. They think about what, how different will it look if it doesn't look different, right? No, it doesn't. No, no. Doesn't matter if Utah won. No, because everybody else took care of business. Yeah. No, they would have got in if they won over Oklahoma. They were five. Oh, were they? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I you assume? Yes. You assume? Yeah. I mean, January first, Wednesday, January first, Outback Bowl. Number 18, Minnesota versus number 12, Auburn. Uh, I'll go Auburn. Minnesota just... I'm having trouble there, man. You think it's a trap game? I should never know with Auburn's offense, but you're also playing a Big 12 or a Big 10 defense. Yeah. Yeah, I... I think I'm going to go Auburn too, but man, I just feel like that one's really going to come back to bite me. Uh, In the Verbo Citrus Bowl... Mich- number 14, Michigan, versus number 13, Alabama. Is I'm, gonna, I'm is taking Alabama. Playing? Huh? Is two playing? Surely not. Surely Ooh, not. That makes me... Ooh. I'll go Alabama just strictly off their water receivers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, all you have to do is throw slant routes. Like, yeah. it'll be fine. And then in the Rose Bowl, number uh, six, Oregon, versus number eight, Wisconsin. I'm going to go Oregon. You are? Yeah. I'm going to go Wisconsin. I think that offense, John the Taylor, is too much to, too much to bear. I just haven't trusted Wisconsin since we. But that's we, fair. We I, them. But I you, just, I just you, can't go with them. They were fine when I said they might be the real deal. They won like two more games. Then you did it, and they lost. So yeah, I'm fine. I'm I'm fine taking Wisconsin here. Okay. If you had picked Wisconsin, I would have gone Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to gain that ground. Yeah. Um, Georgia Baylor in the Allstate Sugar Bowl. Georgia. I'm gonna go Georgia. I just know. I mean, is J- just Jake Fromm just absolutely crap the bed his last game? If it's a shootout, I think Baylor wins. Yeah, no, for sure. But I feel like that Georgia defense. Yeah. I think if, they if Oklahoma could smother the Baylor defense, I'm pretty Yeah, that's true. That. That's Georgia's true. got it. Um, that's all we got. That's right? it. Yeah, that's it. Until until we, Wednesday, we will do a uh, New Year's show um, at, our, at our normal time. It won't be anything too special. Uh, what did you about last night? The games? Dude, yeah. it was it was such a fun night of college football. Yeah. I mean, the, the LSU, like... It was cool on one side. Yeah, at least they're and at least like there were good plays being made. Yeah. So But yeah, Oklahoma like there there was three teams deserving 
I guess, I mean, you could, I guess, argue Oklahoma was deserving to, but there was three teams and there was kind of everybody else. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are like, you know, they're using this as an excuse of not to expand the playoff to eight. And I get that. Um, but I mean, we, we should be thankful for the playoff. It'd kind of suck if we were still in the BCS system and you had to leave Ohio State or Clemson out without giving them a chance. Yeah. Both those teams deserve chances. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, a lot of people said Ohio State would win 8 out of 10 um, against Clemson. I don't know if it'd be 8 out of 10, but, I mean, they certainly would be pretty close to 500. They just, like, stop. They, they just – their offense just, like – Well, and I said it when, you know, we were sitting there talking and Hunter said, who you know, who do you think wins this game right around halftime? And I was like, I mean, I know Clemson will adjust well and they'll come out in the second half prepared. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched much Ohio State football, so I really don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what they'll do. I think it just showed that – I think Ohio State got outcoached. Yeah, and there was two big calls in the game that I think, you know, Sean Wade, the targeting call, that was huge because he was, like, one of their star players in that secondary. Um, and he had to come out of the game. And then um, what was the other call? The fumble touchdown. Yeah, yeah, and, that, that one. And what sucks about the fumble touchdown that got reversed is, in real time, I thought it was incomplete. And then it slows down. feel like it probably should have been a fumble. And I really think it should have stood. I don't think there was um, – Undisputable, indisputable evidence to overturn it. Yeah, I that, that's I the biggest so thing. I, I was like, yeah, whatever I feel the like, call on the field should have been. I feel like whatever the call on the field is, what should have stayed. I feel, in, in real time, I could not believe they didn't blow the whistle. Uh, that was, I was like, that's definitely an incompletion. Then you see the replay, and you're like, he took four steps. He seems to have control of the ball the whole time. I don't know how they overturned it. I don't know where they got. Yeah, I don't know. That's. But at the same time, Ohio State. I mean that that's three probably, times that's Ohio probably the game. Three times Ohio State was in the red zone that and failed to score touchdowns. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you can't deny that Clemson won the game, and it wasn't just that play. Right. But but that you, was a huge like that. I think Ohio State wins the game there. Like it's oh, it's kind of over. Yeah, no, there are two very pivotal moments in that in that game, and the fumble is the big one. And I um, think that that would have been a sack, and I think it was. It was either second or third down, so they either had a third. third the the targeting was third down. Okay, so I mean, they have to punt the ball. They go down and score after that. Yeah. In fairness to the uh, to that targeting call, it's been called all year. I don't know. I a lot of people. I think NCAA needs to sit down and look at it. Should targeting be an immediate rejection? And I think they should. It should be a referee discretion. Um, the really egregious ones, like you have the egregious Oklahoma. Oh LSU my one. god! The one where the guy was like, "I definitely don't want to play anymore. How can I get ejected quickly?" Yeah. And he did it, so he got out of the game. Um, and then you have the ones like against Trevor Lawrence that Trevor ducks his head. They're all people are always going to do that when they're protecting themselves. Um, it, but to the Ohio State, Wade led with the crown of his helmet. Yeah, like it, like it, it's obviously targeting, but but there's not much you can do, right? But I feel like you as could, a defender. So I'm trying an example of uh, was I can't remember who it was for Kentucky hit. Trask and got ejected. Mm-hmm. He led with his face mask. I feel like they should be able to go. All right, that's going to be a personal foul penalty because then his next one's an ejection. So you're putting him on like a flagrant one essentially. Yeah. So I feel like you should be able to to go if you're going to look at the replay. Why can we not look and and say what's really bad and what looks incidental? Yeah. I mean, if if they call a 15 yard penalty and did eject him, I mean, I I feel like that's that's where the line needs to be. Addressed, that's what I'm saying. I, I think is, I think they should be able to go in and say what's what what was egregious and what wasn't? You get two, yeah, or you because I mean it doesn't have to be two targetings. If you call it a personal foul, his next personal foul ejects him. Yeah. So why why can't I don't understand why you can't do something like that? Because you're pretty much penalizing a team twice. It's a 15 yeah. yard penalty, and you're ejecting that player, so they have to put somebody else in. 
who's yeah. not as good, obviously, or they would have been in the game. So right. you, you're you're penalizing a team twice for something that like is not egregious. Yeah, I, I think it should they they should definitely go and look at how they eject players. Yeah, I think that should be an off season conversation. But yeah, I, I thought the games last night were good. I mean, it was, it was, it was could, a fun night of football. To you watch. couldn't ask much more. No, definitely not. You ready to get into some segments? Yeah, I do have a question. Oh, okay. Um, please hold while I get to that. <laughs> um, yeah, Eric Smith said, any positions posing a liability with our matchup against Indiana? I, d- I, d- I don't see any. Yeah, I don't I don't really see any either. I, th- I feel like the only thing that could, like, cause us to lose this game is quarterback play. Right. And I don't think it's anything Indiana could do. I think it's just us. If, if we win the game – we win the game because we're better than that team. If we lose a game, it's because we beat ourselves. Right. Right. So. Yeah, that's our only question. You ready to get in some segments? Yeah. Will you, uh, you, are you talking about our friends at Blue Chew real quick? I will. I will. I will. I was not prepared again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know you're either. Um, so, Blue Chew. Remember the days when you're always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color, brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, on a full or empty stomach, and since they are chewable, they work up twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises, pun intended. Most guys talk a good game, but BlueChew helps you follow through. BlueChew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package so no in-person's doctor visits, no waiting in a pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the U.S. of A, baby, and since BlueChew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, you can get a special deal. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free using the promo code ARMCHAIR. Again, that's promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay the $5 shipping and get your first shipment for free. They're cheaper, faster, Better, go check them out. Get it done. Go use Bluetooth. Never know when that opportunity is going to arise. Never know. Most important of the week. Most important. I've got a few. Got a few. Uh, My first one. Let's see here. Uh, The boss. So he's a pull. He's a. Hoisting? I don't know how you'd say it. Hanging, Hoist, hoisting, okay. pulling up the, the 12th man flag yeah. in Seattle. Um, and, and an account that, you know, I guess the I guess it was the Seahawks official account tweeted that he was doing it. And someone responded and said, I was a young mother working a job in retail when Boz was playing for Seattle. He came to my checkout line one day and was extremely rude. He actually said, do you know who I am? I didn't at the time, but I will never cheer for the Seahawks because of that. Uh, or cheer for Brian Bosworth. And he responded to it and said, so sorry that our interaction was unpleasant. When I was young, back then, I, t- I tended to be all about me and nothing about him. Standing alone as being in darkness, being close to him. Life is very bright and full of grace. So our next interaction will be much brighter. I just feel like that's really positive. I feel like it should be noted. Um, he's changed. And uh, anybody that's willing to admit when they were wrong or whatever, it's always going to be you know pretty stand up in my book. Um, and then to also like tweet it out, too, like, yeah, acknowledging that, that you were yeah. a jerk at one point and now, you know, you've, yeah, that, you've changed. That takes a lot to do that. Um, my first one is Joe Burrow was responsible for as many touchdowns at Mercedes-Benz Stadium as Matt Ryan has all season. Oh, that should be a split fail and. Yeah, it's a fail on <laughs> Matt Ryan, but dude, Joe Burrow is a freak. Yeah, he is. 
Absolutely. Just an absolute freak. I mean, it's insane that it's insane that he won the Heisman. It's insane this team. And a lot of people were talking about how someone someone tweeted today that the LSU would if they had to play elite defenses. And some we were talking. I think we were talking about the strength of schedule. They had to play Alabama, uh, Georgia, Florida, Auburn, Auburn, Georgia. Yeah, did I say Georgia already. Yeah, you said yeah. Georgia. Okay, so four. Elite defenses, mm-hmm. and then they'll have to play Clemson too. Yeah, who's the number two team in the country? So, or number three, I guess. Right? Yeah, number three. Technically, I guess number two. They made it. They're mm-hmm. at least guaranteed the top two spot in the country. Yeah. So I have. Um, so it's a tweet, and it's it's funny tweet, <laughs> and so this wins my most important. Um, he says it's Roger Sherman. He says this man just scored a touchdown. It's a picture of a um, lineman for Michigan State. I don't know if you saw the, the big man touchdown. Um, I did, yes. Yeah. He scored a touchdown in the pinstripe ball and received a penalty for excessive celebration, presumably for having facial hair in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> I just thought that was funny because it's it's like a big bearded man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like your classic offensive lineman. Yeah, and definitely if you know Yankees tradition, they do not let you have facial hair. Right. So, yeah, that was funny. I liked it. I've got uh, this is a tweet from uh, Rick Merritt. He's the one I asked Aaron Hayden about this. Um, there will be four Mr. Football winners from the state of Tennessee playing in the national championship, and they were all from the same year. And then there's a fifth one, um, LSU freshman Maurice Hampton, who will also be playing. So there's five total, four from one year. I'll tell you one thing, Maurice Hampton. If y'all don't know about him, he is an absolute freak. Who is who played last night as a true freshman. Um, on the number one team in the country, and will probably start for LSU's baseball team and be a top pick when he comes out of college. It's insane. I'm I don't know which one he's gonna pick. I mean, it seems like he has a future. Yes, he, he has choices. Yeah. Um. So that man's a freak. I, I wish yeah. we could have got somebody like Maurice Hampton. Right. Then I've got a. Uh, do you have any more most important? Um, I do. I do. Okay. Um, James Franklin delivering a tackle after the Gatorade shower. I um, saw that. He, he drove his hips, man. I love he to see did. it. Yeah, he, he drove his hips. And we're not big James Franklin fans just because um, he was at Vanderbilt and he made them, I guess, good for Vanderbilt. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I thought that was funny. Just drive your hips, you know, take him to the ground. It was a good tackle. And, like, that kind of weird stuff like that. Like, players love that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So... I've got a uh, split, most important, and fail, so I guess we can... I, oh, actually, I have one more before the split one. Um, Josh Groudon, who was a... Uh, I believe he's a linebacker for West Virginia. Um, Peter Burns tweeted his Peach Bowl predictions and said, LSU 45, Oklahoma 27. Josh Groudon quote tweeted it and said, I threw a first down against OU this season. Joe's going to put up a lot more than 45, LMA. <laughs> <laughs> and That's he was hilarious. right. He was absolutely right. That's hilarious. Uh, then my split one is Jameis Winston joining the 5,000 and the 30 for 30 club. The 30 for 30 club is 30 TDs and 30 interceptions. Good for him. And he did it with a walk-off pick six in overtime. God, what is he? First play of overtime. First play from scrimmage. How is he still like a starting quarterback? It's because he threw for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. It's insane. It's I wonder what insane. the chart says. Like, what is, what is the, like... What, 
What's playing Jameis Winston, which is funny because this is his team colors, is like going into the casino. I think he wanted thirty million a year, right? Is that his new contract? And putting thirty million dollars on Redderbot and doing that sixteen times per year. That's what playing him is your starting quarterback. So he's just like a break even guy. Not even. What was their record this year? Oh, I think they're just they're one game below. I think they're uh, maybe they're. I don't know what they were. One game below, maybe. So I guess you're not putting thirty million every time. What's, what's no? Maybe it, maybe they're six and ten. Oh well. I don't know. You're putting one one almost two million dollars every week on on Jameis Winston, red or black, and you're you're leaving. Oh, so you have no one time. Yeah, you do it eighteen times per year or sixteen times per year. Sorry, red or black. That's that's what playing with Jameis Winston's like. Yeah. Uh, my next one is a bear. Made it all the way to... Is this the most important or fail? I think it's most important. The okay. fact that he made it this far and, and got on to Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Yeah, I thought Jackie Moon was in town. Yes. Yeah. act. I wasn't sure what was going on. I, like, I picture Tony Vitello just going out and just wrestling the bear. I don't know if he's got that in him. What to ask him. He's like, can you throw 90? We and the guy's like, ask him. he's like, you have to wrestle me for it. Tony Vitello's like, bet. Just wrestles him. We'll have to ask him if, if he actually caught the bear when we <laughs> have him on. Um, I got to fail the week. Oh, yeah, I got some. I hate that I'm agreeing with uh, Jamel Hill, but this is the most Karen thing that's ever Karen. Uh, Karen Price wrote into the Baltimore Sun, The holiday season was in full swing with high hopes for the Ravens when I read that Lamar Jackson gifted Rolexes to his offensive line. So disappointing that in an age where professional athletes are making an insane amount of money, he couldn't have donated to charities and done it in the name of his offensive line, then treated his teammates to dinner. These players can afford all their own Rolexes, so it's very discouraging that someone didn't give him a little guidance. It just flaunts the amount of money they make and don't know what to do with. Sorry, Lamar, I am not such a big fan now. Now let's break this down for Karen, though. First off, he does know what to do with the money. He bought Rolexes for his entire offensive line, so he knows what to do with the money. Secondly, couldn't he also donate the money that he took them out to dinner with to charity? Because they could also take themselves out to dinner just like they could buy themselves Rolexes. Yeah. Um, if he donates money to charity, does that offset the Rolexes? I have questions also. And then also, what did you buy your children for Christmas? Cause if it was anything over than like $30. I feel like you should have donated that to charity. Uh, did you buy your husband something? Assuming he has a job, he could buy it for himself. Why did you buy it? For him? I, I don't know. This feels really stupid. Um, as someone who will probably never in their life have a Rolex, it doesn't hurt me one bit. And, like, does she not know, like, football? Like, those guys protect his life. Pretty much. He's risking his life, Caleb. He's risking his life. Yeah, I was just very confused by Karen's tone in the message. Um, I Shut up, she's, Karen. I assume she's never brought her child presents. She can't. Especially a <laughs> Donate to charity, actually. Yeah, definitely. So. She should donate the kid to charity. Everything to charity. Yeah. Uh, mine is Jimmy Himes, the bowl oh, of gumbo, or whatever that Shrek swamp water. He Dude, had. that was one of the worst pictures. Ever. And it went viral. I mean, it, it didn't get a lot of retweets because Jamel no Hill re- retweet that something disgusting. But like, yeah. it a lot of people saw it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that looked disgusting. Yeah, no, that was bad. Give me more. That's it. That's all I've got. Uh, so I have one more, and it's the Ohio or Iowa State kicker. His name is Connor Ass Alley. Oh, rough name. So, and somebody 
posted this and it's like butt crack and then ass alley is just like a fancy uh, way to say butt crack. <laughs> true. That's true. Well, that's funny. He was lined up for a kick when they posted that. I don't know if he made it or not, but <laughs> that's funny. It's that's not really comedy. a fail. It's just like your last name's Ass Alley. Like it's a fancy no. That, butt that crack. I mean that is a that's a fan. That's an all American name. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, he probably had a rough high school. I feel bad for him. Yeah, probably. That's all <laughs> I got. Well, guys, thank you all for listening. We will be back one more time before Tennessee takes on Indiana in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Um, we will be also previewing the LSU game on Saturday. Uh, in in the New Year's episode. Before then, though, hope you guys have a great New Year's. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time uh, with family before we get into 2020. Yeah, our next show will be in 2020. So, see you next year. See you next year. <laughs> um, just want to give a special thanks to uh, Aaron Hayden for yeah, coming absolutely. on the show. It was a good interview, good insight. Um, we always like having him on the show. So, um, special shout-out for that. And uh, thanks. We're bringing the boat in, and we out.